0: We all have a story to tell. The longer our lives, the richer our stories. When I look at you, I see a woman of strength, integrity, character. A woman who has seen hardships, struggles, pain, and loss. A woman who has compassion, love, courage, and power. A woman who has succeeded, failed, and learned. A woman who will continue to persevere and thrive. When I look at you, I see a woman who is wise, not withered. Hello and welcome to season three, episode nine of the wise, not withered podcast. I actually injured my lip a little bit yesterday, so if I'm talking a little weird, that's why, but if you don't notice, even better. So, let's get right into it. So, um as per usual with this season, I am kind of reflecting on a lot of things that have happened over the last 4 years since I started this project and I've also realized that this season is becoming also more of like just my experiences with things having to do with the project. So it's not all just going behind the scenes. It's also how things are relating to my life right now. And I think that's fun. So um, the first key point that I have is boundaries and maturity especially when meeting new people and letting things come up slash unfold naturally. So this came up because I was looking through, um, the emails. I mean, just so many emails. I was looking specifically between, um, or looking for conversations between me and the artists. Um, specifically about the characters because I wanted to talk a little bit more about things that I learned from different people but I think I'll save that for next episode because I found even more other stuff that I want to talk about but one of the things that I found was something I would do um, pretty much before like this year actually I always kind of felt the need to overshare with people. Um, I mean, maybe this podcast is even a way that I am oversharing because I am literally sharing so much of my personal life and experiences with literally strangers, whoever wants to listen to this podcast. Um, it's, it's more so for, like, my own enjoyment and my own chronicle logging of this experience and just to look back on. But, you know, it's out in the Internet. It's out for anyone to listen to if they want to. So um, there's just this idea of, like, I've been thinking more about the idea of boundaries and I thought at first, when I first learned the uh, the concept of boundaries a few years ago, I thought that it was like, oh, um, like I get upset by these topics, so I have a boundary with people close to me that we don't talk about these specific topics. That is what I thought boundaries were like. These are the things that upset people, and so we don't talk about them. But I've also started to realize that like boundaries are so much more than just like purposefully not talking about a topic that triggers somebody or like doing something that you know will upset them. Um, it's also separation of people, like separation of identity, like this is me and this is you. And what I'm talking about here in relation to, um, meeting new people is that I found that I would tend to overshare with people because I wanted to, I guess, um, basically try to force an intimate connection and... I was just really confronted with that because I was looking through emails that I sent to people and this one really stood out to me. I was talking with an artist and I had asked and shared some really personal information about like my family. Um... And I was kind of shocked that I, I, I mean, you know, I've, I've talked to so many people over the years that I don't remember exactly what I say to everybody. So I had actually forgotten about this and I was like, wow, like I'm really surprised that I shared all of that and asked like what her family life was like too. But this, this thing that I said after, like a few days later, I sent her a follow-up email and I said, I wanted to reach out and say that we can just completely drop the topics I brought up regarding our personal slash family lives. I recognize that those are intensely personal issues and I don't want that to come between us as we work on this project together. And I just found that interesting because it's like I'm in addition to trying to not overshare with people that I'm meeting now, especially because I'm in a new place been in New Orleans for about two months now. I'm meeting lots of new people. Like I'm trying to kind of re redesign how I want my relationships with people to unfold. And so I'm trying to not like just throw all my cards in at the very beginning, like here's everything I've been through, you know, it's like, I share things as they seem relevant and I don't feel this need to like put everything on the table, here's who I am. You know, like people can earn different things about me, different pieces of information about me. Um, not like I'm, I'm withholding it like maliciously or anything, but I'm just trying to be more, more mindful of what I share and when. Not not because of um, not because I am afraid of what they'll think of me. I mean, there's probably a little bit of that, I will admit, but it's more so just trying to trying to do things more naturally rather than coming from a place of desperation of wanting to be understood, which is what I think I have done in the past. And so this thing of me reaching out again and saying like, oh, we can just drop those topics. Like, I feel like that's another kind of thing that I would do before that I'm trying to not do so much nowadays is like just kind of owning what I say. And if I do overshare, like just sit in that in that discomfort and not be like, oh, sorry, did I say too much? Oh, we don't have to talk about that, you know, kind of like. Double texting, like, oh, we don't have to talk about that. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, kind of preemptively trying to take care of what I think other people are thinking. So, that is something that I am working on, and it is just something that I was confronted with as I'm reading these emails and seeing how I have grown as a person, even in just the last like three years. I think this was 2019 when I sent that email. So thought that was interesting. Um, I, I tend to end that. I <laughs> tend to end a lot of these points with, oh, that was interesting. Well, yes, that is, that is a given. This is why I am writing about it because I think it's interesting. So I'm going to try to not say that as much. All right, number two. So this one is actually more funny. It's not as interesting. Well, I mean, I don't think it's interesting, but it's more just funny. So very early on in this little monkey journal that I have put all my notes in, um, I wrote possible game mechanic. Character wears hearing aids and must charge them every so often. When they lose charge, it'll beep and whichever side it is, you won't be able to hear anymore. And then I put in another color marker. I put a little star and said, this will be a Nancy Space Rocket. So it's just fun um, to think about these different kinds of things um, from a specifically video game perspective. I just thought that one was really funny. Um, I also just love Nancy Space Rocket. I really hope we could make her story into a video game. I think it would be so fucking hilarious. And just... You know that kind of mechanic is definitely something that would only be in a game where a character has hearing aids and you know it's, it's just I think it would be more interesting to put that kind of mechanic into the game just to make it more immersive and just more real so moving on um, this is more of a I'm not really sure exactly where this is going to go, um, because I have this, I was just looking over some of these, some of these story ideas that I had, and a lot of them either changed a lot or, like, this one actually never saw the light of day, so I talked about this on Beverly, I think this was in, um, the second episode of this season, either second or third, where I just talked about, like, death, um and i had this written down that her husband is diagnosed with terminal cancer and they have six months to travel the world and write and play music wherever they can and then as i was looking at that i was like well huh like now that i especially because i did witness what it's like to see someone in stage four cancer um I mean, we were told that my mom would have, like, at most nine months to live. Like, I mean, I just remember the doctor writing all these notes down and he was like, oh, you know, with no medication, she has, like, six months. With this medication, she has maybe this amount of time. We were like, yeah, let's, like, maximize it. And she ended up only living for, um, like, less than a month after we had that conversation, you know, with no harboring no ill feelings against the doctor there's no way that you can actually know exactly how long someone has to live but i just thought it was interesting that i wrote this before having any kind of idea of what it's like to have a loved one diagnosed with um you know i mean we didn't We didn't know or we didn't want to acknowledge that my mom's cancer was going to be terminal. I mean, we discovered that it was stage four. And I do remember after we got the diagnosis, I looked up stage four cancer on Google. And I saw like only 10% of people survive like after six months or whatever. And I just closed it immediately. I was like, I do not want to fucking hear this right now. And I, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily in denial, but I just... You know, I just, it wasn't helpful to look over statistics. And so I just found it curious that I wrote about this, you know, back in 2017, 2018. Like I wrote these notes even before I started actually getting into the project. Um, And so just the idea of someone having terminal cancer and being like, oh, let's go on tour You know, like that seems a little, I mean, I'm not going to rag on myself too much. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, like that was really stupid to think that that would even be possible because maybe it would be. But just seeing as how my mom was in just that last month, like especially after a diagnosis, Like, if you had told me, hmm, how do I want to put this? It's like she still was in the last six months of her life. Like, I'll say the last, like, the five months before we found out about the cancer. Like, she was still living her best life. She was, like, doing so much walking, race walking, like, biking, like, dozens of miles. And going to a bike party and like all these really fun things. And I do kind of wonder sometimes, um, I remember, I forget who said this to me exactly, but it was like, there was this just very open-ended, not really, I don't even know what the answer to this question would be, but it's like, if we knew sooner about the cancer, would it necessarily have even mattered? You know, like if we found out about it five months sooner, knowing that she maybe only had six more months to live, like would that have necessarily made it better to know about it? Or was it actually better that we found out only a month before she passed because she was still able to do all these things that she wanted to do even while having... Cancer. I mean, she probably had cancer for years, you know, like, I don't think stage four cancer just shows up, you know, in just a few months. I mean, who knows, but she probably had it for years. So just seeing that note that I wrote to myself, like six months to travel the world, it's I don't know. It just again, I'm not trying to to belittle myself at all, but it just kind of speaks to my ignorance of not really understanding what a terminal diagnosis can mean. And it seems, it doesn't really seem to make sense to me that someone would get diagnosed with a terminal illness and then continue to go on tour. I mean, as I say that, though, it is kind of like, okay, well, if you accept your diagnosis and maybe you wouldn't just stay at home and you know try to get treatment and you know maybe maybe part of knowing that you're going to die is that you would want to do things that would bring you joy and so maybe touring would be joyful but then at the same time it's like I guess it would depend on what kind of illness he had like Is it something, you know, my mom had lung cancer and so it was really hard for her to breathe and, you know, do basic things. Like just drinking water was always a gamble because she might like choke on it. Like she just was coughing so much and like eating was really hard. Like she would take like hours to finish like a small meal. So it's like with that kind of thing, I don't know if it would even be possible to also be like trying to tour and perform because, you know, touring, like being in a tour bus while you're like sick with cancer. Like, I don't know. It just it just speaks to my ignorance, I guess, of like not really understanding what that could look like for someone to have a terminal illness. So I don't really know where I'm going with that, but I think I've said enough. OK, so number four, the dancer story was going to be about a like a murder mystery. <laughs> I'm actually glad that it never became that. So I said that this dancer owns a studio. It's ballroom dancing by day, martial arts by night. She teaches dance and self defense and her receptionist is murdered on the job one night and the studio was robbed. And it's like, I don't know, I guess as I was picking people to write the story, um, like I was just getting more input from them about like their interests. And that story ended up being like super, super cute. Like, oh my gosh, I love it so much. It's the um, A Dancer's Waltz, um, Yanti. Yeah, that was uh, written by Christina and Natasha and illustrated by Lita Chung. That was such a wholesome story. And I'm really glad that I, I changed it to be this really cute, wholesome story about an older woman, like, finding love again. I think that that made for a more realistic story. And I don't know, I guess maybe, like, a murder mystery would have been interesting because I actually, none of the stories were a murder mystery. Um, I guess the apocalyptic CEO, you could say, but it was more, it had other things to it. So it's just, it's just fun to look back and see what some of my ideas were and then what they became, um, what they ended up being after all. So yeah, I think that's it with that. So, um, the last one is actually just a funny thing I remembered, um, about this teacher that I had in high school. (laughs) So this is just a funny anecdote from my teen years, but she was an older woman. I want to say she was from Texas. I'm not sure. She was my algebra teacher in sophomore year of high school. I really liked her. I thought she was really fun and really funny. Um, Sometimes her voice would kind of put me to sleep because she was, it was just like, she had this Southern drawl and just like, she was very soft-spoken, but she was very kind and very funny. And this thing was so funny. Cause she was talking about like some hockey player and she was like, "Mm, yeah, I like him hot. And then we were like, what? Like, cause she was like an older woman, you know, like maybe in her sixties, I want to say, and so, you know, as teenagers, we were like, what? Like, why are you mentioning how like this younger hockey player guy is hot? You know, to a teenager, that sounds weird because you don't realize as you get older, like as she said. So like, I, I just remember this so clearly that she was like, what? I didn't stop noticing when I got older. If you stop noticing, you might as well be dead. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny and it's so true. It's like, you know, the older you get, like I'm only 30, but I just realized it's like the older you get, the more ages you have lived through. And so it's like, yeah, why would you not think a guy, an attractive sports guy who's in his 20s or 30s like why can't that still be attractive to someone who's in their 60s or older you know it's just it was just really funny to remember that um yeah so that's all I have for this week thank you for listening and or not this week I keep saying week I'm not doing this weekly every month and now my refrigerator is clicking cool maybe you can hear it maybe you can't But thank you for listening. Um, That is all for this month. And you will hear me again next month. Bye-bye.